Hello, this is the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast, and I'm your host, Jill Weber. Well, hello, everybody. It's Jill Weber, and I am here with my new friend, Keith Foster. Keith is a head of vocational courses and training at Waverly Abbey Trust, and um, and I just asked him if we could have a conversation today about chaplaincy. So welcome, Keith. Thank you. It's really great to be here. Thank you very much. Jim. Yeah, happy to have you. Um, what what is chaplaincy? I mean, I, I've got a picture in my mind's eye. You know, when I think of chaplaincy, I think of Father Mulcahy in, in the MASH TV show. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> An army chaplain. So that's kind of the picture I have in my mind. Can you expand my picture somewhat? God, it's really interesting. And it, that sounds like such an easy question. And I could fail question one because it's really interesting. I think some years ago, that would have been a really straightforward answer. Well, it, it, you're absolutely right. It's like that chap in MASH. And it's like, you know, people who go to hospitals with dog collars or prisons and that was traditionally probably a fairly narrow band of regulated, what you'd call regulated chaplaincy services that you could define. And even now with all sorts of academic papers or just general conversation, people are saying it's really hard to define what a chaplain is because the contexts are so broad and varied. You could almost capture it maybe in a pithy statement like a chaplain is someone who is visible and available. That is really great and that would, cap- that would capture Everyone's got to be visible and available, really. Yeah. But it's to say exactly is, is a challenge. In fact, when we train chaplains, the first week of their homework is come to the next session with your definition of 50 words or less of what a chaplain is. And they all come with different definitions. And that, in some ways, represents the challenge today, Jill, really. Yeah. Are there any common themes in those definitions? It's sort of visible and available, but do you see any other commonalities? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people have a veer to the traditional side of it. So it's kind of like the listener, the carer. And I think I could categorise them, the kind of roles, into the two roles of priestly and prophetic, really. Oh, interesting. So, you know, we know in Scripture that, you know, the priest represents God before the people in simple terms. Sorry, represents people before God. In simple terms, the prophet represents God before the people, thus saith the Lord. That's kind of a very simple description of a prophet and a priest, the difference. A prophet represents God before the people, a priest represents the people before God. Now, traditionally, chaplaincy is all about representing the people, being a carer, being a shepherd, and, 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 and kind of standing in that gap between them. And, and that is so true. But there's also a prophetic voice that actually is often can be pushed down depends on the context, where we speak into the lives of people with the hope of God, with the kingdom of God, with actually, this isn't it. There is much more than that. So we, we kind of encourage the balance of, you know, what is your prophetic side of your role as a chaplain, as well as your, the natural priestly ones, which in nearly all the definitions, it's piled up with priestly definitions, which are beautiful and right and good. But actually, there is a role to say, actually, there's a voice of God into this, which is prophetic as well. That's wonderful. I love that. Priestly and prophetic. So talk to me about your own personal experience in chaplaincy. Gosh, well, you know, I think like a lot of people, like a lot of students on the course that comes, uh, comes to us, is a lot of them are doing stuff without having a name to it. They don't know, they can't give it language or terms. And I think that always happened to me. I was always in the community, running football teams or something. And... Um, then when I started you know, being paid to be a Christian, whatever, in the church, whatever, I was kind of, I had a role as a community pastor and I started 
facing the world, if you want, and and, and that that had different different guises. And so I was I was I was based in an estate, a, a deprived estate in in the south of England, about fourteen thousand residents on that estate, uh, one big secondary school, four primary schools on that estate. So it's a really big, a young estate as well, and uh, as far as age range. And uh, so part of that was uh, arranging courses and, you know, whether, whether it was seeker courses or other things uh, or other practical projects in the heart of the community, maybe in the community centre. Some of that was uh, working alongside the local youth services as a, as, a, as, a, as a youth pastor, really, but they wouldn't have used that language. But then I got attached to the local secondary school and became their chaplain. It was a non-faith school as well, which was amazing. You know, so it kind of just slowly but surely got involved and they recognised the need to have that kind of impact. So that's kind of been my general thing. And then much later on, even when I went into more of a teaching ministry as a pastor of a church, I always wanted to keep grounded. And so I was a member of a gym and a running club, so I became their chaplain. Ah, the running club chaplain. <laughs> the oh, that's fantastic. And, and today I am a running club chaplain in a different running club because I moved uh, cities and joined a running club. And that's what I do today as well as working here at, at, the, at this great place. So. I love it. Running club chaplain. Even hiking club chaplains. All you do on hikes is just talk with each other, don't you? And uh, But running, you must be in good shape if you can actually talk to people while you're running at the same well, time. Well, I... I, 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 I <laughs> Well, I wasn't. I mean, when I first started running, I, I played football uh, till I was 51, and then uh, I'm not telling you how old I am, you know, but uh, <laughs> I played football till I was 51, and then I, I was really struggling to recover week on week. And so I went to the running club, this was in the Midlands, and I thought, I, I'd like to do this, and so I joined a running club, and, and I thought, how difficult can it be? And there was all ages there, and I remember the first night I got there, and they basically said, I said, oh, I'm, I'm new, I've been playing sport for, you know, pretty much... Most of my life, felt quite fit, and I said, "So you know, can I, can I, can I join?" They said, "Yeah, sure, great, great." They were excited in a new, new kind of, and um, I said, "How far do you run?" They said, 10 kilometers." How oh, ten kilometers? <laughs> <laughs> run that all my life, you know, collectively for the last four years. So they all basically, I was the last one to be picked. So they asked around the club, "Does anyone want to run with Keith? Does anyone want to let Keith?" No, I mean, no one wanted to run with this new guy. So. Um, these two really lovely older ladies ran with me, but I couldn't keep up with them. And so I last, ran the last mile on my own. I remember going home because I felt the Lord saying, Keith, I want you to join this place and be my presence. I want you to bring the gospel to, these, to this place. Hmm. And I remember saying to the Lord that night, a really simple prayer, Lord, I, I'm not the brightest person in the world, but I know I've got to be able to breathe to speak the gospel. <laughs> I mean, I've just got to be able to breathe. So, and I felt God say to me, Keith, Share the gospel, and I'll give you the breath to run. Wow. Honestly, honestly. And, that, and I had the opportunity within a few weeks, I, just, I went there on my own to practice the route because I was a bit embarrassed. And one of the best runners in the club showed up at the same time. He said, oh, I'll trot around with you. And I had some new shiny trainers I bought, proper running shoes this time, and um, got all the kit. And I said, how far are you going? Yeah, Stuart, he's called it. He said, 10 miles. I'm at 16 <laughs> kilometers. I said, oh my goodness me. And he says, oh, come on, we'll just, we'll just talk around. And uh, I shared the gospel testimony and turned out he'd had some experiences and been rejected at churches and stuff. And we got back and I was, I was chatting all the way around and didn't feel it. And, and God was true. He gave me the breath to run that. 
And the big story was Stuart, I can't go into on this on this call, but he ended up being baptised later on, and it was just incredible. Amazing. Oh, so good. <laughs> just, you know. I think I'm, I'm interested in this whole concept of chaplaincy. Um, you know, when I think about the order of the mustard seed and, you know, the commitments that we've made to be true to Christ and to be kind to people, take the gospel to the nations. I actually say to the nations or to our neighbors, really, which is probably harder. And, um, and, and I think that, you know, the more I'm learning about chaplaincy, the more that I'm, I'm learning it can actually give some shape and structure and name and, and actually legitimacy in the eyes of the world to our aspiration. Because the OMS is, I mean, we do have some clergy in the order, but most of us are regular people in our ordinary lives, just working it out in the day-to-day. So I would be, I, I just thought, you know what, that sounds really interesting. You know, what would it look like for us as members of the OMS to, you know, think of ourselves as chaplains in our communities, just in our own mind, and, and then maybe go on the road to becoming chaplains you know, in the eyes of the world, in our communities. And, and what would it look like if I started thinking about it through the lens of our six practices, you know, in terms of prayer and creativity and justice, hospitality, mission and learning. So I just thought that would be a fun exploration with you. So talk to me about the relationship of chaplaincy and prayer. It's, it, it's, it's for me, is it, it underpins every, it's, it's in, in any ministry. You know, it, it, it's that connection, isn't it, to the vine in John 15. You know, apart from me, you know, you just can't, you can't do anything. And so uh, Japanese doesn't have a special need for prayer beyond any other ministry. Sure, it's cold-faced, it's frontline, it's often very isolated. We sometimes don't have the, um, the backing of a group of Christians or, you know, in, in that sense, it can be a little bit, feel a bit that way. But prayer is so essential. We know this for everything we do whether it's leading our homes or our families, whatever. And chaplaincy absolutely is, 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 is no different. I think the power of prayer I've seen in chaplaincy is the... No, one's, no one knows what this is in the world. No one's experienced it often. It's often been very you know, formal or maybe they've learned the Lord's Prayer at school, even if they've learned that. So when you visit someone in a hospital bed or visit someone or, or someone's sharing a story, oh, I'm just really going through a difficult time... And we have that just grace and kindness and courage sometimes to say, you know, do you, I really would love to pray. I pray about, I pray every day. Often I say, just look, just let you know, I pray every day and I'd love to be able to pray for this situation. Would you, would you like to me to pray for that? And they look really like, oh gosh, would, would, you, would you do that for me? And the amount of times that, and we've all had this, you all have had this, that we pray for people. And, you, and when you finish, you look up, they're just broken. Yeah. Because... Bringing someone before the king, there is a supernatural element that happens that opens heaven and brings that into the heart of the person we're next to. So I think prayer and chaplaincy is like a real, you know, not a weapon, that's a pretty aggressive word, but a real tool of, you know, yeah, amazing. Without it, nothing happens. Mm. Nothing happens. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, our house of prayer back in Canada, which we'd built around the six practices, we you know, we the the language we we didn't have the language of chaplaincy at that time. Probably, if I would look back, I would go, "Oh yeah, we were community chaplains." You know, in terms of functioning that way, we we moved into this really poor neighborhood. But the the language of phraseology that we used for ourselves is said, "We're just going to be the loving presence of a people of prayer." 
We're just there to love and to pray. And like you, we, we would have lots of experiences where we would, would get an opportunity to offer prayer for somebody and people were like, yes, please. you know, just, I remember one time we'd set out this little place in our community uh, where people could come and get water and sit down and have a chat, listening to people um, and get a chat. And I had this one lady in our team, she was this kind of little old lady. <laughs> the, um, she was, you know, little old ladies are amazing. And and this group of three kind of gangsta guys came down the street and they paused where she was because we had a sign out front actually saying need prayer. And I thought, oh, what's, what's, I was watching from afar, like little old lady, three kind of gangsta guys. And she was bold. She was like, do you need prayer? <laughs> and they were like, yes, ma'am. You know, and they just softened and they got, it was just amazing to see this this gift of loving presence that she offered and this invitation to to lay their burdens down somewhere to some unknown God that they didn't know yet, you know, um, was just astonishing just seeing the change in their demeanor. And um, yeah, no, that's amazing. Well, this is a good conversation for me. Mm. I'm now looking over my history going, darn, I've been a chaplain for a long time. Totally. <laughs> I think probably a lot of us, if we were to kind of inventory our lives and our context, we go, oh, that's kind of interesting. So, so that's prayer. Let's talk about creativity because it's not just hospital chaplains and prison chaplains now. you got all kinds of chaplains. What kind of chaplaincies? Because people are, the field has really broadened, hasn't it? It's, it's really, um, there's been a lot of exploration. And So tell me about the different kinds of chaplains you see. Gosh, it's great. I mean, uh, it is really exciting. And that then creates a learning community, so they all come together. So we have people, for example, on the recent uh, groups, we've got our first um, uh, airport chaplain, uh, who, who's a Heathrow Airport um, and fantastic and also a railway chaplain on the railways we have a sports club chaplain we've got two sports club chaplain secondary school primary schools which is really quite um, a new thing you know secondary schools have certainly faith schools have had chaplains quite well usually connected to the local church but that's expanding now and we had a lot of primary schools having that um, certainly at retail centres bus stations you know really? uh, yeah absolutely and um Addiction centres, homeless centres, sort of messy projects. Um, chaplains who are training, who are running like CAP um, centres for you know Christians against poverty, etc. So absolutely, pretty much everything in industry, all sorts. Um, massive need uh, in in the farming uh, community. Yeah, I heard about that. I'd never heard of farm chaplains before. Yeah, they hang out at cattle markets and speak to people, and and because the statistics of of, of farmers being really desperate and low and, and sadly, you know, really not happy with this world and life are pretty high. And and so to have, you know, to have people in that context to give perspective is, is critical. So the police, um, emergency services, uh, and the traditional, more traditional, like the armed forces, prisons, NHS, private providers, hospices. Honestly, there's just this, I haven't even listed them all. Uh, some very innovative community, uh, charities, people who develop charities um, for street children, all sorts of things like this. Uh, we have chaplains training with us who have got a street, uh, dealing with street children in the Philippines, uh, people dealing with uh, uh, counselling people and pastoring people in Geneva, in Switzerland. There's all sorts of people come in saying, that I, I, I need the tools. I think I've been doing this. I, I think I might be a chaplain. <laughs> But I need some language and tools. 
and, and we kind of give them a picture and say, what we want to do is almost, we want you to be a spiritual Swiss army knife where there's all these kind of tools going on. We don't know when you're going to use them. Some of them look weird and you might think, I can't imagine. That's not our role. That's the Holy Spirit. He will do that. So yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and particularly the last two or three years since what's been going on. Yeah. You know, um, without giving it too much more airtime post-pandemic wise, you know, the world is realising there's a gap, you know, that it's bust, this isn't working anymore. And I think people are desperate. And we know that we know what they need. And we know, we, you know, we can be that, those, Paul says 2 Corinthians 5, you know, agents of reconciliation, you know, ambassadors, mm-hmm. really. Ambassadors would be an equally good name for the chaplains. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. A creativity. I was teasing my friend who's a football chaplain. Mm. I said, well, this is where you're going to see who's the better intercessor because... You know, who's got more power in prayer? Oh, so God. if you're at one end of the pitch and you're praying for your team and the other guy's at the other end of his pitch praying for his team, who is going to overcome? Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, no, but um, no, it's lovely that there's there's a greater openness in all of these sectors to have people come in. They're seeing the need. Mm. And, and so there's, I think, open doors for effective ministry and open doors for the gospel in a way that we haven't seen before, you know. Um, yeah, so talk about chaplaincy and justice. Well, I think that's, again, it's probably leaning one of the ones, that one of the characteristics that leans more towards the prophetic role of a chaplain in the sense calling out. You know, some organisations that are perhaps regulated have very, very difficult conditions. You know, we're seeing on our TVs about the NHS at the moment. You know, it's very challenging for the staff there. So an NHS chaplain, you know, what about the way staff are cared for and supervised? Mm. What about, you know, can we be an agent of challenge? Agent of challenge is one of the 17 models of chaplaincy we look at in, you know, in one of the courts. So, yeah, there's so many of these. And, 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 and as a chaplain, you could pull out that Swiss Army knife picture again, maybe the agent of challenge one week, because this just isn't right. You know, and, but honouring the Lord, maintaining your testimony. So in some ways, the justice is around, you know, competing for that probably with a prophetic voice speaking for those who really have lost that voice or who are not being listened to so stepping into a sector say you know you're saying a hospital or nhs situation seeing sort of things that aren't working in that sector dysfunctions in a way that that's harmful for the people in the environment Mm. and then speaking truth to power in that is that what i hear you saying yeah i think so it's only you think about it it's almost like that daniel role you know, really, you know, absolutely perfect example in the Old Testament. You know, Jesus, you know, Jesus is the chaplain exemplar for, for all of us. But Daniel, you know, we do, in the current course I, you know, I teach, is, is one of them is making a difference. We do a case study on Daniel, how he just held himself and was able to still maintain his testimony, yet impress and have that strong voice into the, the highest, in the highest orders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. So there are, are there chaplaincies in, are there government chaplaincies for MPs and stuff as well? There are, yes. Yeah. Uh, there's a chaplain to the, to, to the cabinet. Um, we, we, they're not on our courses at the moment, but I mean, certainly, you know, <laughs> we absolutely, absolutely. Gosh, don't we? You know, yeah, yeah. we really do. We need people who've got a heartbeat for, 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 for government, because for, for, that's where things change as well. Mm. So yeah, we need yeah. new Daniels, you know, we need... Getting raised up. Amazing. What about hospitality? Talk about the role of hospitality in chaplaincy. 
I mean, if you could, what what you're missing when you're listening is the look of delight and glee (laughs) on Keith's face when I say that. So we we kind of miss it, don't we? Because we just know right from scripture, old and new, actually, that this was the whole thing. It was it was embedded. The whole community was embedded in table fellowship in the whole thing. This is why who you ate with mattered. I agree and welcome and embrace you. So in Luke 15, Jesus is critiqued by the teachers of law. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does he put himself at one with these people? Why does he include these people? Chaplains are hospitable. You know, that agents of hospitality where they include people who perhaps even have excluded themselves from faith communities because it's easier to exclude ourselves before anyone else does it. Often that can happen a lot, certainly with certain people groups and all sorts of things who think maybe, you know, the churches aren't going to have a, you know, a very warm view or, or, or a reception of them. And I love chaplains who are working in all sorts of sectors saying, actually, you know, we, 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 we serve an inclusive God who wants to embrace you and challenge us all. But actually, so, yeah, I, yeah. And, and there's all sorts of stories about hospitality being, being the starter for something amazing. You know, I just remember when uh, we, my wife and I, we lived in in in, in Coventry in, in West Midlands in our street, and we decided really really short. I'll condense the whole thing. We decided to kind of invite the neighbours at Christmas time, first Christmas we were there to come in for mince pies and mulled wine. The sort of ten houses around us, and about eight of them came, the households and ours, and that was it. Next for a few months, just high normal things in the UK can happen very. And then the next year the same. And then I just felt the Lord's burning. The third year we did this, saying, why don't you offer to pray with these guys, you know? And I, I hadn't. And uh, so I remember just saying, it was all sudden aloud. And Leslie didn't know. I could see Leslie looking at me going, what's he going to say? <laughs> and I just said, I hope you've enjoyed. It's been lovely to have you the last three years coming over here. And, you know, it's, it's great. Um, we, Leslie and I pray for this community every morning and we would love for you to maybe every six weeks maybe just come over and join us whatever you think whatever you're thinking of faith at the moment just to join us and five people said yes what? amazing oh, amazingly right and we, we started that uh, and it became a movement we called it Love Thy Neighbour and then we it, it stretched out across Coventry and, and we ended up with 1500 of these groups across the UK what? Um, right, <laughs> this was crazy. I mean, I mean, I mean, this is this is that's some Christmas party. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it's all 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 the Lord. We created these little packs, how starter kits, and all that. I think still got the template. But it was just that hospitality thing of breaking the barriers of, in some ways, you know, it brings us close, doesn't it, into what's going on. And so, yeah, that's just an example of sort creative hospitality joining two together, of where actually. You know, I get to know you a bit better and, and, and what, how you've been shaped up to now. Yeah. How about mission and evangelism? This probably feels like the obvious one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Mission and evangelism in some sectors of chaplaincy are really kind of like, oh, no. Yeah. Particularly regulated. They get, in fact, they all publish against it, you know, you know. And I can understand it, and of course. However, it's really, really naturally... God anointed, gifted, opportune, gentle sharing is beautiful. 
And we, we often ma- imagine the caricature of steamroller in, in evangelism or mission that. But one of the earliest exercises we do in the training is we just talk about how God prepares the hearts of people before we even get anywhere near them. Our job is to find out what he's up to already and join in with what he's doing. And that means incredibly good listening and keeping in step with the Spirit. And the two examples right away we think of, we talk about in Scripture, of Philip and Peter. Philip, who was just one step at a time, go to Gaza, didn't know where he was going, joined that chariot, he's reading Isaiah 51, 53, share, share what he means. Peter goes to Cornea, you know, all that. Just by being obedient. And so we don't have to shoehorn evangelism into a chaplaincy role. Whatever restrictions there are, right at the beginning of the course, we say, look, we're not here to tell you to evangelise. We're here to keep in step with the Spirit, to listen to him, find out what he's already doing and join in with that. And restrictions are God's opportunities. Paul in prison, the whole palace guard has come to know the Lord. So there's nothing wasted, whatever context we're in. And that's how we view it. For me, it's one of the prophetic sides that gets neglected, particularly in some sectors of chaplaincy, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. We've had prayer and creativity, justice and hospitality, mission and evangelism. I also realize we've had creaky chairs. You've probably heard them on the way. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't my knees. Um, I am a runner, and I'm running this evening, God willing, with the running club. So, it's, yeah. <laughs> But uh, let's just top it off with learning. And I think the way I want to frame this is... You know, those of you who've been, you know, getting our, our OMS emails or have heard any of the announcements from 24-7 prayer, that we've, we've had this wonderful, uh, just exciting uh, uh, new step in the life of the movement um, and with the Order of the Mustard Seed where CWR um, and 24-7 prayer come together to create Waverly Abbey Trust. And of course, right at the heart of that is Waverly Abbey College. And so for what... Um, Part of how we're envisaging what God might want to do in this space that we're sharing together is that it would be a home for the order of the mustard seed. And part of that home, that would be a place of learning for the order of the mustard seed. And we're going to be developing here a a center for spiritual formation, but also, you know, there I discovered treasures here when I moved in and got to know who was around here. And one of the treasures was Keith and this chaplaincy program because I thought oh my goodness it just felt to me like what you've developed in the in the last little while here and what you're rolling out I know we're getting a lot of requests from members of the order of the mustard seed I've taken my vow now what like what's the further training that you can offer and so I mean we're going to be we've been doing book clubs and we've been doing group spiritual um, group spiritual direction and some learning laboratories but for those who like I actually need next level I need next step how do I get equipped as a regular person in my ordinary life, I don't feel called to be clergy necessarily. You know, how do I get equipped to be true to Christ kind of people, take the gospel to the nations? I just am so excited about what you've been cooking up here and how it can help people who have got that impulse. And maybe, as you said, have been like, oh, you know, I, I've been doing chaplaincy. Now, as, now that you describe it, I recognize myself in this story. So just, you know, just in a couple sentences, tell us about the program that you're running currently and how it can be available to people all over the world. Yeah, uh, the availability is because it's an online course. It's a 30-week 
course, um, two hours live Zoom cohorts every week with around 10 to 12 other people from all sorts of different sectors, which is a learning community. So it's not two hours of lecture with our videos off and, you know, onesies or whatever it may be. This is joining, we have homework every week and come back and share from our context that with the learning community. And we look at all sorts of aspects. Of chaplain. We introduce chaplaincy in the language so it becomes familiar in module one. It's five taught modules, six weeks each. And underpinning that is a journaling where we journal our whole journey from the learning and our placement. Um, we need a placement alongside that. That could be our current service that God has called us to, or we may explore other contexts to either volunteer or we may already be paid in some sort of way. And so the course just moves us through pretty much the conversation we've just had. What about the theology of chaplaincy? What about God's already at work? Uh, missio Dei, a missional theology. We look at all sorts of, how can we use the big picture of the Bible, the meta-narrative of the Bible in chaplaincy within our context, or contextual theology. It's not all academic, academic at all, but we do need to be theologians in some way, whether we're dealing with the elderly or the very, very young. There's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. So we all need to be equipped to be the best. And we look at models of chaplain. How do we measure? In some ways, is success the right word? Probably not, but how do we measure uh, what happens in chaplaincy? So we look at that. There's also a kind of disciple-making underpinning ethos to the course as well, which is quite unusual for a chaplaincy course. And then we look at apologetics, but in Peter's way, in, in 1 Peter 3.15, he says, always be prepared to give an apologia, is the word he uses, which is a you know, a defence, you know, a proclamation of the hope within you. But we often cut it there, and he says, with gentleness and respect. Mm. So we do look at how can we, how can we not only survive, but communicate the gospel and the kingdom of God in a, in a multi-faith arena, in an atheistic arena, in all sorts of faith and non-faith contexts. And then we finish with looking at you know, before we can help others. Like it says on the plane, we need to put our own oxygen mask on first. We look at the chaplain and self-care. How do we avoid burnout? How do we look at things and look at case studies and things? So it's a holistic thing. And all the way, their placement from week one. So they're like Jesus sent out the disciples early. They would come back with questions every week. We tried to heal this person and we couldn't. Why was that? Oh, that only comes out with prayer. You know, that's sort And every week the students come back to the cohort and say, I went into the prison, I went into the hospital, I went to my sports club, this is what happened. And it's a fantastic experience. Oh, that's wonderful, Keith, that's so good. And you know, I think we mentioned it earlier, uh, but, but if, if we ever needed a time for us to be tooled up, to enter into the, the post-pandemic uh, fuel crisis, you know, cost of living crisis, and you know, in various nations, just polarized environments which is lots and lots of hostility and you know mental health crisis you know this is a time we need to be trained to enter into those spaces to be loving people of prayer and creativity and justice and hospitality and mission and, and learning and um, yeah so thank you thank you um, we'll put information on the program in the show notes so if you're interested in learning more you can just check in the show notes uh, more about uh, Waverly Abbey and the chaplaincy program. 
but but Keith, I'm wondering if we could just pray for us as we close. Absolutely, and just to say, just very quickly, as I didn't really say, is that you know we start the program every three or four months. It's not just an annual thing. So you know, if you've missed the bus, you know there's another bus coming along really soon. But do have a look. But uh, yeah, I'd love to pray. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Lord, that you've been with us, and we know already, Holy Spirit, that you're working, and so we pray. Lord, for that tug on our hearts, Lord, we thank you for scriptures where we see the great call for Abraham. And then it tells us in Genesis 12, and Abraham went. We thank you, Lord, for the call on people like Philip, and Philip went. Lord, we want to be those people that are obedient, that use that kingdom currency of obedience, Lord. So we, we sense you calling us. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. So we pray for any out there. We're trying to make sense, trying to put a framework around what you've been doing all along, sweeping up their experiences. We thank you, Lord, that you move us into what you've got for us next. So would you help us, Holy Spirit, in only the way you can, just to step forward to see what that might look like for us. Bless Jill and the team. Thank you so much, Lord, for the fantastic ministry that's going on. And we are excited, Lord. We ask for your kingdom to come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast. For more information about the order, you can find us at orderofthemustardseed.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. May God grant us grace as we follow his invitations to be true and to be kind and to go. Go.